chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Gary Chapman on the show today. Dr. Chapman is a family counselor, a New York Times bestselling author of nearly 70 books, including the five love languages, and hosts a nationally syndicated radio program. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Well, Dr. Chapman, welcome to the Something Extra podcast. I am beyond excited for our conversation today. And you're in Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Yeah, and I'm glad to be with you today, Lisa. And I have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, John Ruland. Oh, yeah. John is a good buddy of mine. <laughs> yes. And we were talking, and he said, I know Dr. Chapman, and he made the connection for us. And I said, well, I am just beyond thrilled because I've been a raving fan for a very long time. And so we've just got so much to talk about. But before we get started... I want to just tell our listeners how special it is to have you on the podcast today and not to embarrass you, but I know your, your love language is words of affirmation. So I think I'm okay in saying this. Dr. Chapman has written close to 70 books. His five love languages, which a lot of you may be familiar with, has now sold over 14 million copies and has been translated into over 50 different languages. So there is something there, and I can't wait to dig into it because I just think the work that you've done, Dr. Chapman, really can apply in your family, in your community, in your business because it's dealing with people. Well, thank you. I'm glad to talk about it because I agree with you. I think our deepest emotional need is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. In the workplace, we call it appreciation, but it's the same emotional need that people relate to me as a person. They care about me as a person. And when we can accomplish that, all relationships are better. Absolutely. It's a game changer. Well, I do want to go back. I want you to tell us just a little bit about your growing up. And then I have a funny story that I know about you when you're in high school that I want to tell our listeners about. But tell me a little bit about how you grew up. I grew up in a very small uh, textile town, about 2,000 people in North Carolina. And uh, my mom and dad and my sister composed our family. She was four years younger than I. That's where I grew up. It's called China Grove. 
It's not the one the Doobie Brothers sang about, however. <laughs> it was named for the chinaberry tree of which there were groves. So Interesting. <laughs> that's my background. Well, I know in high school, you said you really felt God's call on your life, that he wanted you to go into the ministry. So you said to yourself, I could either be a pastor or I could be a missionary. I hate snakes, so I guess I'll be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I only knew there were two things you could do full time as a Christian service. One would be a missionary and one would be a pastor. So since I didn't like snakes, I thought, well, surely God wants me to be a pastor. So, right. <laughs> Well, I would concur with you because I don't care. My husband says, oh, the king snakes, those black snakes, they're great snakes. I'm like, I'm sorry, there is no snake that is a good snake. You know, so you did go on to do that. And then tell me what motivated you to write the five love languages in the first place. And I know that you did a tremendous amount of research, yeah. but what motivated you to do that? Well, it actually grew out of my counseling. And they would sit in my office and uh, a wife would say, or a husband would say, I just don't feel any love coming from them. And the other one would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And I knew that people were sincere, but they were missing each other. They were loving in their mind. They were expressing love, but they weren't hitting the target. And so eventually I just took time to sit down and read several years of notes that I made and ask myself the question. When someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages. And I started using that in my counseling. You know, if you want her to feel love, you've got to speak love in her language. If you want him to feel love, you've got to use his language. And I would help them discover their love language, challenge them to go home and try it. And sometimes, Lisa, in three weeks, they would come back and say, Gary, this is changing everything. The whole climate's different now. And then I used it in small groups of couples. And the same thing would happen. It was probably five years later that I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book, write it in the language of the common person, leave out the psychological jargon, which many people don't understand, maybe I could help a lot of couples that I would never have time to see in my office. Of course, little did I know that the statistics you gave earlier would happen. Every year, the book sells more than the year before. But that doesn't happen either. And I think it's uh, because it's addressing that deep personal need to feel loved. And when couples try it, the lights come on, they realize how they've missed each other, they start speaking the right language, and it really does create a whole new climate in their relationship. To your point, you said in the beginning, our deepest psychological need is to feel loved. And, you know, that's not anything new. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you look at that, you know, the first one is physiological. The second one is safety. But the third one is to feel loved and to feel belonging, like a sense of belonging. And we'll talk about that more even in the workplace. But this is so funny, Dr. Chapman. I told you this is one reason I'm so excited about this podcast too, because every year I pick my one word. And this year I picked love more. And I told you it's really two words, <laughs> but I'm putting a hyphen in there. That was my friend Bill Ellis's suggestion. He goes, Lisa, just hyphenate it, you know, and then it, it, it'll be true. And so I feel like what you have done with your research and these almost 70 books that you've written is really showing us love is not an emotion. Love is really a verb. It is an action, right? Yes, it is. It starts with an attitude, a way of thinking. I want to enrich the other person's life. And then it has, it's expressed in actions. So it's a verb. 
But when you speak it in the right language, it stimulates emotions in the other person. And when they speak love to you in your language, it stimulates emotions in you. It doesn't start with an emotion. It starts with an attitude, appropriate behavior, then it stimulates emotions and meets that deep emotional need. Well, if people have not read the five love languages, I have to have you just go through them very quickly. And is there a prioritization to these? I mean, no, one's not more important than another, especially in a marriage relationship. Uh, they're pretty evenly distributed among the population, and they're not gender specific. A man can have any one of the five, a woman can have any one of the five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll give them to you briefly. And these, are, as I said, are no particular order, but uh, words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person. You look nice in that outfit, really appreciate what you did. You know one of the things I like about you? It's simply using words to affirm the other person. There's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can kill people. We can give them life by the way we talk to them. So words of affirmation, just looking for things that you appreciate about the other person and sharing them. And then there's acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. Mm -hmm. In a marriage, that would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, washing a car, mowing the grass, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. Remember the old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is your love language, that's true. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. L look what they got from me. Doesn't have to be expensive. It's the thought that counts. It's the thought. But it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head, okay? Absolutely. And then there's quality time. Giving them your undivided attention. And I don't mean a husband and wife sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has their attention. I'm talking about the TV is off, the computers are down, uh, we're not answering our phone, we're just giving each other undivided attention. And it doesn't have to be always sitting around the house. You can be walking down the road, you can go out to eat, and it doesn't have to always be conversation. There are dialects under all of these languages. It could be planting a little flower garden in the front yard because your wife or husband wants to do it and they want your help. And so the important thing is not the flower garden. Emotionally, the important thing is you're doing something with me, giving me your undivided attention in this project. And then it's physical touch. And we've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. So in a marriage, that would be such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing, the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, sitting around the house, you trip them. <laughs> I'm kidding on that one, okay? Don't trip your spouse. Uh, not a recipe for a good marriage. <laughs> That's funny. Oh. Now, the simple idea, as you know, Lisa, is that out of the five, each of us has what I'm calling a primary love language. And if you don't speak that language, they won't feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the others. So it's a simple concept, but when you get it and apply it, it will change the emotional climate. Absolutely. So important. I can't remember if I've told you this or not, but Allie, our youngest daughter, is the inspiration for something extra. She's a little girl with Down syndrome. She's got so many something extras, but one of the something extras that she has, Dr. Chapman, is she loves to hug. And studies have shown that when you hug somebody, 
oxytocin is released. And I'm like, no wonder she's so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because she gives hugs and she receives hugs. She receives hugs. hugs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's what I love about this. So there is a quiz. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes or you can say it now. Well, I think it's the fivelovelanguages.com slash quizzes, right? Or if you just go to the website, you'll see the quizzes. Yeah, fivelovelanguages.com. And so the cool thing about that is you have a quiz for couples. You have a quiz for single people. You have a quiz for teens and you have a quiz for children. So I have to tell you an anecdote story. This weekend, as I'm like getting so excited about interviewing you and in this podcast today. And so we have a little eight-year-old grandson. So I thought, well, I'm going to sit here and do this quiz with Sawyer. So I sit down and I said, Sawyer, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And in my mind, I knew, I'm thinking, he really likes gifts. (laughs) (laughs) So like one of the questions is, would you rather go to the park or would you rather me say, there's a surprise under your bed, you know? And he's like, no, I want the prize under my bed, you know? (laughs) But anyway, it came out that his primary is gifts. And then his tertiary is quality time. So last night after work, he said, Yaya, I came home. Poppy picked me up from school and I came home and I wanted to draw and you were not here. I wanted to do art with you. And he said, Yaya, don't sign up for anything else. (laughs) Because, Because I need more time with you. He said, you work so much at night. Don't sign up for anything else. I'm thinking to myself, is that not a better way to live? Yeah. You know, he is telling me, what he this wants. is what I need from you. I want your attention. Exactly. I said, I hear you. I receive what you've said. And Yaya is going to make some adjustments. Is that fair? He said, yes, that is fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? But, you know, um, I'm like, what a great way to live. And, you know, so many times we're trying to guess how to love this person better. But we've got so much more to talk about. But we do need to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back with Dr. Chapman. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360-degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out-of-the-box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. Welcome back, everyone. We've got still a lot that I want to discuss, but you had just said something to me that I thought was very profound. It was just about relationships. I said relationships either get better or they get worse. They never stand still. And it gets better if we read books, if we get ideas on a podcast and we try them. It can always be better. I don't care how good the relationship is. It can be better. And why wouldn't we want that, Dr. Champion? Why wouldn't we want the best? I think we do, but sometimes we don't know. Either we don't know how to get there or we're so into ourselves or other things that are going on that we just kind of ignore the relationship. Right. You know, one of the things that you say And especially like if quality time is important to one partner and they want conversation, you said on average, we only listen for 17 seconds. That's the average. We listen for 17 seconds and then we interrupt and we give our idea. 
So it's hard to have a conversation if you don't listen more than 17 seconds because you don't really know what the other person is even talking about. <laughs> Learning to ask questions and listen until you can really get a feel for what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Then you can have an adequate response. Yes. You said there's a daily exercise that you can do. What are the three things that happen in your life today and how do you feel about them? It's a great question. You know, we can ask that of our children. We can ask that of our spouse. We can ask that of a colleague. Great conversation around the table if you have dinner together. So you've just got so much wisdom. I did listen to one of the podcasts and here's just a few. I'm just going to popcorn these out. Long lasting love is a choice, not a feeling. In fact, you say that euphoric feeling that often we feel in romantic relationships only lasts for a couple of years. Yep. The in love <laughs> experience has an average lifespan of two years. Yeah, I love this. We are responsible for the quality of life that we live. Every person has worth. Every day is an opportunity to do good. We see the world from God's perspective. Don't be controlled by your past attitudes. And a good question, what can I do to fill your love tank? You talk about love tank. We all have this love tank. What can I do to fill your love tank? Yeah, I say husbands and wives every week or so ask each other on a scale of zero to 10, how full is your love tank? If they say anything less than 10, you say, what could I do to help fill it? And now you have something that you know that today this would be very meaningful to them. So you still choose to do it because you choose to love or choose not to love. You know, one man told me, he said, Dr. Chevin, my wife's love language is acts of service. But I'll tell you and her, if it's going to take my washing dishes for her to feel love, she can forget that. I said, that's your choice. If you want to live with a wife who has an empty love tank, it's your choice. I said, I much prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank. That's why I wash dishes, because my wife's language is acts of service. <laughs> <laughs> right. It certainly is a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Living with somebody. Love stimulates love. Say one person said, well, that my husband's not interested. He won't read the book. Okay, fine. Don't ask him to read the book. You just learn his language and start speaking it on a regular basis. And he'll start asking you questions. What's going on with you? And you'll have a chance to explain what's happening in you yes. and why you're treating him differently. Well, you just told us about the five love languages. I have to ask you, is there a sixth love language? I've had people suggest that. One man said, Dr. Chapman, the sixth love language is chocolate. I said, well, if they bought it, it's a gift. If they made it, it's an act of service. Right. <laughs> and one guy said, the sixth love language is going shopping with my wife. I said, to me, that sounds like a dialect of quality time. She wants you to do something with her that she enjoys doing and give your full attention to it to her. Mm -hmm. So far, I haven't heard of one that I think is a legitimate six love language, but I'm not dogmatic. I'm still open. Okay. You're open. You're <laughs> open-minded. I love that. Well, I really want to hop into this book because I feel like everyone, every leader should buy this, learn it, give it to their team. But the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, and we already talked about that. It's appreciation when you're talking about the workplace. And in here, I mean, it's just so rich. But I want to focus on a couple of things. You said that there is a difference between appreciation and recognition. Yeah. Most companies do have recognition programs. And they recognize for a couple of things. One, they recognize for longevity. You've been with the company 10 years, you get a gold watch, <laughs> okay? And then they recognize uh, success in projects. You know, you, you had a good deal, whatever the business is, and we recognize for their being successful in whatever that is. Appreciation is not necessarily tied to either one of those. You can appreciate a person if they're not even reaching their potential. You, you appreciate them as a person. You value them as a person. And this is what appreciation is. It's that sense that somebody cares about me as a person. I'm not a cog in a machine. 
and somebody really cares about me. In fact, what stimulated me to join up with Dr. White, who is a psychologist who spent 20 years working with business leaders in writing that book, is that we discovered that 70% of the people in this country who say, or who have a job, say they feel little to no appreciation coming from the people with whom and for whom they work. And 64% of the people who leave a job and go to another job say they left primarily because they didn't feel appreciated where they were. This is a huge issue, and we've had a tremendous response to this book because it makes a difference. Really, before we wrote the book, Dr. White would go into a business and give a job satisfaction test. Then he would share the concept of the five languages of appreciation. Everybody has a primary language, and they'd all take the quiz. So everybody now knew everybody's language, at least in their group with whom they worked. And then he would go back a year later and do another job satisfaction test, and in every case, it was statistically improved. So it makes a tremendous difference in the emotional climate of the workplace. And consequently, then, people give themselves more fully to the business, whatever it is, when they feel appreciated. So I'm excited about this book. I think it's going to help a lot of business leaders. I so agree. And that old adage, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. I mean, really caring about them as a person, not about what they do for the business but I care about you just as a person. You've got the MBA inventory. So it's motivating by appreciation inventory. And if you buy the book in the very back, there is an access code and you can just go to that and you can understand what yours is. And then if you want your team to do it, you can do that as well. You talk about discovering your coworkers' language. So how do you do that? And you say, well, what if they haven't taken the test? What if they haven't taken the inventory? How can I do that? And you have a lot of ways that you can still figure out what would make them feel more appreciated and valued. Yeah, I'll just throw out two or three. One is uh, observe their behavior. How do they respond to other people? If they're always giving high fives and pats on the back, physical touch is probably meaningful to them. If they're always giving people affirming words, because we tend to speak our own language. If they're always offering to help people, acts of service. So just observe their behavior. You can pick up a lot. And then what do they complain about? And typically they don't complain to their supervisor. They complain to their coworker, their colleague. Right. What they're complaining about will tell you what really would make them feel appreciated. And then what do they request most often? You know, if you hear them say, someone who's going down to the workroom and say, when you go down to the workroom, would you bring me da, 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 da. So asking you to do something for them, maybe asking you to work on the computer. You know, of course, that all of us are asking for. That's right. <laughs> but those are informal ways of trying to figure out a person's language. But if they take the profile, you really get a good picture of what the primary is, what the secondary is, and what the least important is. Because the least important is not going to do much at all to make them feel appreciated. Yeah. And you said it's so important because for one person, getting an award and being called out in front of everyone is really important. But then to another person, that could be completely embarrassing. Yeah. They would much rather have it come by my office and tell me that or come by my workplace and tell me that. Yeah. Right. Right. I love all of your ideas about asking questions. You know, you could ask a question. When you feel discouraged, what's something that will actually encourage you? Or, you know, it's your boss saying, hey, Friday, I've got some time. Let's go out to lunch. Well, that's quality time with your boss, right? That's important. Absolutely. There's so much more that we can talk about, but I know that we're running out of time here. But I have to ask you, Dr. Chapman, what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? You know, I'll put a hyphen like you did with yours. Okay, (laughs) go right ahead. One is empathy. A good leader has to develop the ability to ask questions of people and try to put yourself in their shoes so you can feel what they feel. 
and so you can understand what they're saying so that you can honestly say, I hear what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense because it always makes sense in their head. If you listen long enough, you can say that it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I can really see how you'd feel that way. If I were in your shoes, I'd probably feel exactly like you feel. Wow. Empathy. And then hyphen love. And love is an attitude that you genuinely care about the well-being of the people with whom you interface, whether it's in the family, whether it's in business, that you genuinely care about people. And uh, that's love. The attitude of love is I'm here to enrich the lives of the people that I encounter. And if you have an attitude of love, then it is being expressed in behavior. And that's where the love languages or the appreciation languages can help you express that love, express that attitude in the most meaningful way to the other person. So that's the value. It just helps you express it in a way that's meaningful to them. So it's possible you can be saying to your employees, I appreciate you, really appreciate you, couldn't do it without you. Well, you're hitting maybe 30, 40% of your people, but you're not hitting the others because words don't mean much to them. Right. Well, Dr. Chapman, I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk to our listeners about whatever you want to pitch. You know, and I think I've talked to them about your books, but you know, if you're speaking somewhere or getting in touch with you or going to the website, whatever that might be. Well, I like to think that there are two essentials to uh, good relationships, long-term relationships. One is that the individuals feel loved and appreciated. The other is that we deal effectively with our failures mm -hmm. because none of us are perfect. And that means we have to apologize and forgive. But people also have apology languages, what they consider to be an apology. I wrote a book called When Sorry Isn't Enough. But if you put those two together and you learn how to communicate love to the significant people in your life, and you're willing to apologize and learn how to communicate an apology and then forgive because the apology doesn't resolve it. You have to have a forgiveness response to it. But those two things are, will put you well on the road to having long-term relationships. And I would just say in terms of my things that I've done, if you go to fivelovelanguages.com, you can see a little blurb on all of my books and find out you know, if they're helpful to you. I've written on a lot of things other than the love language, but we do have things on the love language with uh, parents that have lost a child to death, with uh, special needs children, how it applies there, how it applies in a blended family. And so we've really tried to cover the bases, as you said, one for single adults, a special edition for men, just giving men a little extra help <laughs> on how to do it. <laughs> Not because you need it. But, but you'll <laughs> find it all at fivelovelanguages.com. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here today. I enjoyed being with you, Lisa. Appreciate what you're doing to try to help leaders. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.